0: From the latest community news to informative, entertaining reads for travelers and the cannabis curious, just visit your local Black Press Media community newspaper website to sign up today.
1: This is the Mojon Sports Podcast, a deeper dive into the great personalities we know and love. Now, here's your host, Bob the Moj Marjanovic. Welcome to Mojonsports.com. It's episode one of the bio. Today's subject, Troy Stecher, National Hockey League defenseman from Richmond, British Columbia. An amazing story of a young man who, as an undersized player, was overlooked by the National Hockey League when it came to the draft three consecutive years. Wound up going to Penticton, of course, played his collegiate hockey at the University of North Dakota before signing with the Vancouver Canucks. Several years in Vancouver, he's moved on to Detroit. But like I said, an amazing story of a young man who's overcome a lot of adversity in his life to get to where he is today. This is the Mojon Sports Podcast. Whenever it comes to tires or meeting your automotive needs, I only send my friends to one place, OK Tire in Langley. OK Tire in Langley is more than just tires. It's about complete automotive care, and it's about being treated right by my good friends, the Delaney family. Delaney's OK Tire in Langley, 19863 Fraser Highway, or call them at 604 530 2545.
0: Like what you hear? We'd love to have you
1: on board with us as a partner. If you have a business that could benefit from partnering with us, please contact us at MojonSports.com. This is the Mojon Sports Podcast. Time now
0: for our feature bio. Here's Bob the Moj Marjanovic.
1: Our bio in this episode is Troy Stetcher. Troy, thanks for doing this. Yeah, thanks for having me. Nice having you on board. Let's start right from the beginning. Minor hockey in Richmond at six. What do you remember your first time out playing hockey?
0: Oh, I remember my dad coached on a gentleman named Ron Popoff. The two of them coached all of Richmond minor through, I think at the time it was called Intro. It's called Hockey One now. And he did that for two years. So my dad had the orange team. Ron Pop had the green team and that was my first introduction into organized hockey so it was a lot of fun having my dad being involved.
1: What do you remember of the first time you were out on the ice that you remember like what it was like was it a positive experience was something was it a negative
0: experience? I think just being a Canadian kid like obviously you have a dream of playing in the NHL from a really young age even at that age four five six whenever I started I had a passion for the game and wanted to play that's kind of where it stemmed from and it's carried on ever since.
1: Kind of like a duck to water, I'd say. First time, first of your first year in such
0: Yeah, you know. It's called like true love, I guess. You call it in the real world when you find a lady and you get married right away. It's probably be the same bond as that for hockey with me.
1: So you grow up playing in Richmond. You get to the point where you kind of realize you can do something with this, right? You get drafted by the Portland Winterhawks in the Western Hockey League. Yet you decide that you're
0: going to play for the Penticton Vs of the BC Junior Hockey League. Why? Well, at that time, I was just drafted at 14 to the Portland Winterhawks. Travis Green was actually coaching there, who ended up coaching me in Vancouver. So at 15, I started being recruited, obviously, from different junior A programs, Penticton being one of them, Surrey Eagles being a local team the other team. And at that age, I really didn't know what college hockey was. Like, especially growing up in Western Canada, everything's a major junior focus, and I understand why. And for me, I got introduced to this different avenue. And a lot of it stemmed from Portland, honestly. Portland didn't want me to play at 16, They wanted me to go play junior B in Richmond for the Sock guys. And then I had an opportunity to play in junior A that year for Penticton. So thinking to myself, I wanted to play at the highest level possible. So that was a no-brainer to go to Penticton. Then obviously when you get there, you realize the program that Fred Harbinson runs, the opportunity presents to all the players. You get educated on what the college hockey world's in. Uh, It grabbed my attention. So that was the route I decided to go. What type of impact did Penticton have on your career? Huge. I still talk to my billet dad. His name's Kelly David regularly. I still talk to Fred Harbison quite a bit. I know Steve Colley, their assistant coach there, he's back there coaching now. I think he left for a little short period of time in between the times I was there and when I've left, but it's a place I still continue to visit. I actually graduated high school at Penn High. I never came home to graduate. It's been a spot that I cherish deeply.
1: So you have pretty successful years in Penticton. You put up some decent, very good numbers, and yet There's no real interest in the National Hockey League in being drafted. You go to North Dakota, and you're eligible for the draft three times, and you don't get
0: selected. What kept you going through that? just like it's everything I ever wanted to do was play hockey, so I wasn't going to get discouraged when it didn't work out the first time. In the first draft, I had an idea I wasn't going to get drafted, especially coming out of Tier 2 Junior A. The amount of players that are selected of those leagues wasn't that high. and Being a smaller guy, I knew that was going to be used against me. So when I got to North Dakota, um, my whole mindset kind of shifted. I knew I wasn't drafted and I was the only non-drafted player in my freshman class. So I knew going into play, I was going to have to outperform players that were in a way ranked higher than I was at a different level during the same times of our career. So if I knew I could outperform them, then I would be on the right path and I just kept that mentality and it worked out. You mentioned smaller players. I've talked
1: to, athletes before one in particular as I name drop here Adam Big Hill when he played in BC five foot ten linebacker he was always told he was too small and he said he used that as a motivational tool throughout his career that he wanted to prove people he wasn't too small and as we've seen he's had a great career in the Canadian Football League a great cup champion the most outstanding defensive player had a stint in the National Football League where he balled with the New Orleans
0: Saints did you have that same motivation when you kept hearing that you're too small Yeah, because at the end of the day, there's nothing I can do about it. I can't grow anymore. I can't shrink. It's something that I can't control. I have no control over it. It's the cards I'm dealt with. And then to go into it a little bit more, I never went to high school in Richmond either. I graduated in Penn High, but I went to school out in South Delta at the Hockey Academy there, ran by Ian Gallagher. So his son, Brendan, being two years older, having success. Being a smaller guy, being you know surrounded by their family all the time, it helped with the motivation to continue to push. Seeing him have success and understanding that I could replicate that if I wanted to.
1: Tell you what, if you're working out with Ian Gallagher, you're learning some lessons. I played lacrosse against him way back in the day. Yeah, one of the toughest players in the league, pound for pound, if not the toughest player in the league, pound for pound. He could throw him. Could Ian Gallagher? You talk about that work ethic and battling through the adversity. You tell him, people are telling you you're not big enough and all that. I was lucky enough to meet your dad, Big Pete. From what I gathered from Big Pete, old school, blue collar, and just put your nose to the grindstone, what did he teach you about not only hockey, but about life?
0: You know, you kind of nailed it on the head there. That was something that he really emphasized growing up through my childhood, and that kind of related to everything in life. It wasn't just hockey. You can sit there, you can complain, you can mope and at the end of the day, nothing's going to happen. The only thing you can do is go out there and work hard and prove that you deserve an opportunity, you deserve change. And that's all you can really do. So it's something that, that was instilled in me at a young age and then it was emphasized based on my stature. Being a small guy, being counted out, that was my talent I had to have. And I'm very thankful that my dad instilled that in me at a young age. He was a no-excuses type of guy, was not he? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember this one game when I was like – Real young, maybe seven. We were playing Hollyburn, actually, against Griffin Reinhart and Morgan Riley, Alexander Kerfoot, just to name drop a couple guys. They were on that team. Basically, the Leafs. Yeah, basically, the Leafs. So, I remember at a young age, we lost them. We were driving home. It was a long drive back to Richmond, and I played, like, junk. I was still young, and my dad was my coach. He was getting mad at me in the car. I was like, I quit. And I remember like, when I got home, my dad was like, you're done playing hockey. I ain't driving you nowhere again. Don't ever, I don't ever wanna hear those words coming to your mouth. So I learned that lesson real quick that it wasn't gonna work that way with him.
1: It's interesting. I remember a story Cam Neely told us once when he had his number retired. And he said that, I asked him, I said, was there ever a time where he felt like hacking and quitting? He said his first year of midget, he was the only 15 year old. Everyone was driving to the games and Cam was getting driven to the games by his dad. And he felt ostracized that way. And, he said, I'm going to quit. And his dad said, no, you're not going to quit because you took the spot of a guy who should be on this team. He says, if you want to quit, quit at the end of the year, but don't quit right now. Did you ever have that point in your career other
0: than being seven where you could have had enough? I don't want to do this anymore. No, I've been very fortunate to love this game. Love everything it's given to me. I'm turn, intern. It's given me some really great things. But I think that's like an important thing in life, especially nowadays. So you look around with COVID and kind of understand everybody's situations and if you're not doing something that you're passionate about then you shouldn't be doing it at all i know that's really easier said than done when you're doing something that you love it really doesn't feel like a job unfortunately like this game pays me money and this is my profession but when i go to the rink every day it's not like i'm going to work i'm gonna go do what i love to do and you take everything that comes with it
1: after three years at north dakota you finally three draft years i should say you finally wind up uh, as a free agent you get a lot of attention. You sign with the hometown Canucks.
0: Was that like a dream come true for you? Yeah, that whole period was an absolute whirlwind. one. I signed a week after we'd won the national championship at North Dakota, which was a huge deal there. And just to backtrack a little bit, the two prior years, we lost in the semifinals of the national championship. So there was a lot of heartbreak in the first couple of years. And finally, over the hump and win was amazing experience and then to turn around that quick and have to sign an NHL contract that was a lot of stress an exciting time but something I was really appreciative from my agent was he let these teams know that I wasn't going to go play right away I wanted to stay back on campus and kind of enjoy that experience of winning and the celebration and what it brings to university college and all the festivities we got that dialed in right away and I signed with Vancouver which was a tough decision at the time and super excited obviously being my hometown Was Vancouver
1: a good fit? I say that because your friends and family are here, you've got a support group. It's tough enough being a rookie in the National Hockey League if you're playing away from home, but you come home and you've got your dad with you at most home games or your friends and family. How much did that help you in terms of your development, having that support group with you
0: right from the start? It was amazing, like it's something that goes really unnoticed, but there's a lot of moments of loneliness where you find yourself a lot of free time, nothing really to do. So being back home, having your friends and family there to support you was just an amazing time mentally, physically, obviously enjoy spending it with them, but mentally it helps you get away from the game. And I think that's something that's really tough for athletes to do is turn that off. Making that decision, I obviously knew that was going to be an added benefit to going to Vancouver is having my friends and family there, but it wasn't the reason why I decided to sign in Vancouver very thankful to have that support and that close contact that I did when I started there. What was the toughest part of the transition from college to pro? The schedule, the workload, like, especially coming from college as something that it's a big difference. The major junior, the WHL is the amount of games you play. I remember the year we won the national championship. My last year, we played 44 games all the way through the start exhibition, all the way to the final game of the season. So Coming over to the NHL and playing 82 just in a regular season, that was a big grind on the body. And the travel, you're hopping off flights constantly. And it's something that I think, uh, I talked to a lot of my friends and in general probably doesn't really realize. You you fly first class, you're so spoiled, and 100% we are. We get meals on the plane, we all have like our own individual seat. But at the end of the day, you're still bouncing around from time zone to time zone. You're going to bed at late hours, you're waking up in the morning. It's just a different type of stress, and it doesn't seem like a lot of stress to a lot of people, but it's a stress for athletes, and it's something you have to deal with constantly.
1: We won't talk about your second job on the plane, will we? You want to talk to poker? (laughs) No,
0: from what I understand, you were doing pretty well playing poker with the boys on the plane. Yeah, I had some good teaching from my older brother. It was fun in Vancouver. We have had one victim that we like to pick on. I won't name names. Took a lot of his money, but it's been different here in Detroit, but I'm still at the card table. That's good. Hey, Troy, the one thing you hear athletes talk about a lot of time,
1: and you touched on it in Detroit more so than Vancouver, is also have a lot of free time and how you handle that time. How difficult is that transition where in college it's regimented, you got your workouts, you got class, you got study sessions, whatever. And then as a pro, you're out of the rink by whatever, one or two o'clock, and you've got to manage that time and manage it wisely.
0: That's something I really struggled with, like right away, coming out of the gate and being at home, I hung out with a lot of my friends. And being on a younger team in Vancouver, too, we we hung out a lot as a group away from the rink, which it changes from team to team based on the age of the players, how many kids each kid has, who's married, who's not. so. That part was nice. I definitely noticed though early on that there was like a lot of lull periods and to put some responsibility, I got a dog. That was what I did. Um, just to add some structure in my life, being responsible for somebody else. And it's been like one of the best decisions I've made. It's become the best friend. Something that you can vocalize a lot of your frustration to if things aren't going well. On the opposite, if things are going great, you can do the same thing and they ain't going to change. Their response is going to be the exact same. So it's very humbling in that experience. Kind of makes you more mature and add some responsibility to your life. Phoebe was very disappointing. We're talking about Phoebe,
1: the Burmese dog. She might even make an appearance at some point. Very disappointing in that dog race they had in between periods. Like, I thought your dog was going to win for sure. Probably yeah, she went yeah. sideways, man. Like, could train
0: this dog a lot better. That was disappointing that night. Everybody in Vancouver was dating a blonde girl at the time, so she thought the Jordy Ben's fiance was my girlfriend. So she hit the brakes real quick when she realized she went the wrong way. Troy Stetcher
1: is the subject of the bio. More with Troy. We'll talk to him about his time in Vancouver. Redefine how you lead. Take the next step in your leadership journey with Ignite Management. Become a leader that positively impacts those around you. Create an environment where your team thrives. Be in control of your own development with a detailed analysis of your leadership style, complete with actionable insights and recommendations. Visit ignitemanagement.ca for more info. You're listening to the Mo on Sports Podcast. Every athlete is looking for a competitive edge, and you can find one at stokodesign.com. The K1 Embrace System wraps your legs with over 90 feet of high-strength support cables that are directly integrated into an ultra-comfortable compression tape. The cabling is positioned to naturally move with you, supporting your knee when you need it most. You can customize your level of support with two control dials in the waistband. This is the future of knee support. stokodesign.com. You talk about Vancouver and you had this nickname, Troy from Richmond. People just loved you. They loved what you brought to the table.
0: What was that like, not only playing for the Canucks, but being one of the fan favorites? So I took a lot of pride in it's something that throughout my career, I've really embraced that role. And I understand why it's being a smaller, undersized guy. I feel like I play bigger than my stature, and I play with a lot of energy. So I think fans just could appreciate that. Just being from Richmond, being a local, like I said, like I pride myself in my work ethic. So I think fans were able to relate to my situation and what I brought to the table and how hard I worked to get there. It was definitely a unique experience. At the same time, you couldn't let it get to your head, because at the end of the day, it doesn't really doesn't matter. You have a profession to do. You have to go there, and if you're not performing, it doesn't matter if the fans like you or not. So. There's something I embraced and something that I cared about, but it wasn't the end-all be-all. Highlights and lowlights. Let's start with the lowlights. How tough was it to leave Vancouver? It was obviously like, disappointing being a local kid and being a free agent out of college and picking where I got to choose. I think when you're making that decision, you foresee your whole career being there. But the change is always a good thing. It was out of my control. And when one book closes, another opens. So I was really excited about the opportunity I had in Detroit when I made that decision.
1: You've had a very good career. You've gotten a lot out of what you could. Do you look back at anything and regret a decision you made or perhaps are disappointed with something that happened?
0: If I could go back this year, I wouldn't have wanted to get hurt. That was the first experience of my career going through surgery and missing you know, a long period of time. But aside from that, no, I've embraced all the challenges that have come with it. And there's a saying that we talked about a couple of us guys every once in a while would we'll be like, there's no good with no bad. You can never really enjoy the good times if you don't have any bad times. So I think everything does happen for a reason as cliche as that sounds, but yeah, I'm just very appreciative. I take it day by day and I make sure that I do what I can to stay in this league as long as I can.
1: Highlights and you touched on a college championship at University of North Dakota, playing for the Canucks, some great experiences with the Penticton Vs, but world hockey championships, man, win one medal in 2019. You come back, win a gold medal in what, 2021 and the overtime winner pani scores. Like, who took over your body at that point and did all that little dangling and yeah, set him up hair. for that goal? That's probably one of the prettiest goals you'll ever see, but that to me that's got to be up there, gold medal, playing for
0: your country. As a a really unique experience obviously probably be the highlight of my career all is said and done but that was who I was at a younger age especially playing in Penticton I wanted to be this guy that had all these cool skills and put up all these crazy offensive numbers and I think I learned in Penticton even at that time but that wasn't gonna be the case I never hit a point point per game in my career but I definitely have that ability in me it's just a lot of it comes down to confidence that's something a lot of people don't think about in the sports world but when you have a coach that believes in you, and I really felt like I had Gerard Gallant really believed in me and during that world championship. Like he was playing me a ton of minutes. I was over 22 a night. Nice. So I think with that just comes confidence. And when you see an opportunity to make something happen, you just take advantage of that and do something as risky as it was. I knew it was calculated and I'm very thankful it paid off. Cause.
1: Yeah. Obviously an overtime winner. Do you, do you ever have pinch me moments during your life or your career? That's gotta be it right there, right? I'm winning a gold medal
0: for Canada at the World Hockey Championships for a guy that was not drafted three years in a row? Even the first time around, like when we lost to Finland on the finals in 2019, my dad was able to come. So that was a moment where I got experience that with my dad being over in a foreign country, playing hockey, doing what I loved. And it felt like we were reliving those moments as a kid where we would get in the car and drive to Penticton or a Soyuz for all these minor yeah. hockey tournaments. So to see him experience that as an adult, that's something I, I cherished a lot. And that was when I first realized at the level and where I was and what I achieved. And go back two years forward and then winning the gold medal. My dad had passed during that time. So it just was full circle. It gave me a lot of those memories of from minor hockey all the way through. And to cap it off that way is really special.
1: You're talking about the impact that Gallant had on your career, obviously, and the confidence they he gave you. I imagine that confidence carries over. We talked about your dad. We talked about Fred Halderson. What other coaches or people have been real influences with you?
0: Brad Berry in North Dakota. He's the head coach there now. He was the assistant coach my first two years in North Dakota as a freshman and a sophomore. Dave Hoxler, head coach at the time, got hired by Philly, so they promoted to the head coach for my junior year, my final year of the year we won the national championship. He has been arguably my favorite coach I've ever played for. I don't know if you ever met him, but if you talk to anybody, he's this big teddy bear, the nicest guy in the world. He demands respect, but you can tell how he earns it, and he treats everybody the same way. He's this big guy that you're intimidated by, and then you hear him talk, and he cares about you deeply, he cares about your family, he cares about every single individual, and with that, I think that's how he earns the respect. And then on top of what he's done in his career and the success that he's had, that he's doing it for the good of trying to make you a better player. So I've had a ton of respect for him. And, and saying that, uh, there hasn't been a coach that I haven't enjoyed playing for. I think that everybody brings something else. And as a player, you grab things from each coach, and you instill it into your, into your beliefs and into your game, ultimately.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Even when I think about coaching, and I guess the same is true for an athlete, you're always true to who you are in terms of your core, your foundation. Yet you've accessorized picking something up from this coach or this player or picking something up. And you kind of pick these little things up that kind of add to your core and foundation as a, as an athlete. And
0: even as a person. And you catch yourself at moments too, replicating something that they might've done. And even here in Detroit, there's something that our coach says that a lot of guys are starting to say now. And then, there's a couple of the guys that they'll call you out and just become this kind of joke. But it's something if you believe in and then you're going to instill into your program or your beliefs or whatever you want to instill it in. I think there's no problem with that. And I think everybody does that to some degree. What was the transition like to Detroit? It was great, actually. Like the group of guys here are phenomenal. It's funny you would say that, like the hockey world, I think probably the sports world in general, it's so small. Like... You play with guys that know this guy, and then you get there, and instantly like, hey, you know this person? So, yeah, and then you just kick it off, and you start telling the story. So the transition that way in the hockey world is super, super easy, and I came to a team here, obviously in Detroit, where last year more so than this year, this year we're in the hunt for the playoffs, but we're a, regroup, a team that's rebuilding. That's not a secret. We're trying to get younger. We're trying to instill youth into the lineup, and I felt like when I signed here, I was in that age I was where I could be a part of the future. and the transition here was great. The guys were super welcoming, and it was a good opportunity.
1: I remember talking to one guy. I won't name drop this time. But he said, when I was on the team, I was always the younger guy. He says, now I'm on this team,
0: and I'm the older guy. Do you yeah. see that transition now where you're the older guy on the team? I'm turning 28 this year. I'm 27. I look around the room. I'm like, oh, my God. I'm on, like, the upper half of age. And then I look at the table. I sit with at the plane, and I sit with DeKaiser, Stahl, and Gagne. And they're all in there. 30 to mid thirties in my home. I am a young buck. It's crazy how fast this league goes, but I guess when you're enjoying all the moments that you go with, it's going to go by super fast. So
1: you talked about being hurt this year and not being able to play. I imagine that a lot of athletes and people, when something gets taken away from you, you have a greater sense of appreciation when you come back. I imagine that holds true
0: for you as well. You can of always take it for granted and it's something you don't want to do. It's just, I think it's natural human to do that, but when it's taken away, it's all you've ever known. You feel lost. There's all this time you feel very lonely when you do go to the rink. You're on a completely different schedule because you're rehabbing. Other guys are on the ice. So you just can get into this lull into this kind of world where you feel lonely and by yourself and you almost get a little depressed, but um, you just can remember and appreciate how much the game means to you. And that alone is you're able to build courage into your rehab progress. It motivates you to want to get back sooner. So you kind of just put everything you can into that rehab process and it happens to a lot of guys. When I came back, I was itching. I was Skated for eight weeks prior, I had a wrist injury, so it wasn't like I could stay off the ice. So I was out there all the time playing. And at the same time, I think that's what, you know, driven that whole miss of the game.
1: What keeps Troy stature occupied away from hockey? What interests do you have? What are some of the things that keep you busy?
0: In the off season, I golf every day almost. Work out in the morning at the Inn Gallery, get my butt kicked, go skate with Yogi or Derek Pocky, two the local guys in Richmond and Vancouver, and then head to Richmond Country Club and swing the sticks. So... I love golf. I'm an avid golfer. I spend a lot of time doing that in the off season. And then during the season, a lot of free time, just hanging out with my dog, playing video games with the younger guys, which I don't do much anymore. I honestly just do it so I can stay in contact with those guys and understand their lingo. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just kind of little niches here and there.
1: Yeah, Richmond, very tight and Crown greens. It's not Moj friendly. We'll talk about Richmond Golf and Country Club another time. Hockey will end at some point, unless you want to go Tom Brady and
0: play till like you're 45 or something. But what do you see yourself doing after the game? I do see myself playing 9 forty. It's something I've told a lot of people. It's something I told my girlfriend. Like, I want to play this game as long as I can. This game offers that ability to do it. Maybe it might not be here in North America, and I don't want to think about that. But if I do want to play until I'm old, I can go do that somewhere else. But I don't know. Like Things have started to change here, obviously. I'm 28 now. I've been my girlfriend five years. So at some point we're going to have to make a decision about our family and what we want to do. And I'd love to be involved in the game somehow. It's given me so much more than I could ever imagine that I feel like I'm almost responsible to give something back to it. And when my career is all said done, I'd like to try to somehow stay involved in the game.
1: Troy, this has been a treat. Again, always a privilege talking to you and catching up with you and look forward to seeing you at the mode shootout in the summer because yes, we'll be back this year and we'll see how much that golf game has improved. But again, thank you for doing this. It's been a blast. Yeah. Thanks, Moj. Appreciate it. Always. Thank you. The Moj on sports podcast. For more episodes, check out Moj on
0: Buying a home is an important milestone. Find the right realtor and the right listings for your needs at today's homebc.com, powered by black press media. With easy-to-use search filters and direct links to realtors and their websites, you'll get all the information you need to find your perfect home. Search hundreds of local listings and get access to the top real estate professionals to help you find your perfect property. Get started now at todayshomebc.com.